0: I'm Noah, and I'm Ben, and you're listening to Product Journey. Hello everyone, I'm Noah, and uh, we have a guest on the podcast, John Hainstock. How are you, John? Hey, good. How are you guys? Hey there. We're doing Uh, good. Doing good. So... John is, uh, he co-founded ZoomShift, which is a scheduling and time clock software for hourly employees. And I'm pretty sure you just sold that business um, pretty recently, right, John? Yeah, we sold the business uh, January
1: 2nd. And so right before all the uh, COVID craziness started happening, um, which is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you guys bootstrapped
0: that business all the way, correct?
1: yes and no so it was a kind of a weird situation probably one that is really unusual in that uh the the person who had made an investment in ZoomShift initially so ZoomShift went through an incubator accelerator program and so they had received a little bit of funding and then that investor lost all of his money um just like went bankrupt and um was in all these kind of legal oh, um all these lawsuits Ooh. and all this like kind of crazy stuff And so we ended up buying the shares back um, pretty shortly after um, all that went down. And uh, that's when we really joined forces together. So it was kind of an odd. Yes, we were bootstrapped, but we had some some money to start um, for those first few uh, months.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, so we're glad to have John on and just listeners. So you kind of know kind of what we're wanting to talk about here with John is John started Zoom Shifts 9, 10 years ago and they bootstrapped it, you know, uh, most, mostly as he was saying. And we kind of just want to understand how how things have changed since then, like starting a business now versus starting a business back then. And I think, John, you'll have kind of an interesting perspective with this since you've kind of gone through this and you're, you're starting to do kind of your next thing now. So it'll just kind of be interesting to see kind of the challenges and differences you've seen. Um, but yeah, it'd also be good just to kind of hear a little bit of what it was like, um, what zoom, your journey with zoom shift was like and how that kind of went. Um, so yeah. Can you first kind of just share, um, kind of like how you feel about the whole journey? I mean, it was like a 10 year thing. Um, and you guys just sold it. So are you, are you kind of happy with how things worked out or what were some of the highs and lows?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm happy with how it worked out. We uh, started it so long ago that it's hard to really remember all of the the ups and downs because I feel like there were many ups and downs on a daily basis. And so (laughs) like certain milestones that came, um, they went as fast as they came, if if that makes any sense. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as you hit one milestone, you were just focused on the next thing and you weren't really super present. And um, that could just be a personality thing with me, but I also feel like a lot of founders struggle with that. Just like, you know, taking the wins and like really like appreciating where you're at, at in the process. Uh, for us, it was always kind of a focus towards what's next, what's next. So we get our first handful of customers and then it was, um, you know, how do we make this product better? So maybe we look at um, doing a new platform. And so we we try out a new platform and everything just kind of leads to the next thing. So for us, it was very much, um, It always felt like an uphill grind like it always felt like we were just constantly pushing constantly thinking about this thing and obsessing over this thing and um so there was a bit of relief when we we sold the company um it was bittersweet like a a part of it was really hard because we had worked so hard on this thing and then just to leave it all behind was really difficult in one sense yeah But on the other side of that, there was this freedom that kind of came from it, just like knowing that we didn't have to worry about it anymore and knowing we didn't have to think about it really anymore. Like just the brain space that opened up after that was pretty crazy. Um, So it was a wild experience. I'm super thankful for it. I think the most, uh, uh, the best part of it for me was like the personal growth and the relationships that um, I was able to get from that experience. And um, that was probably the best part of the whole thing. If I had to kind of look back at, at the whole experience,
0: it, you kind of describe kind of this like grind of like almost like feeling like you're you're never getting there, like never almost like never content with where you were at. Yep. Did uh? Do you feel like you that was something you figure out how to manage better, or was that always just that's kind of how it was the whole the whole time?
1: Yeah, for me personally, I really struggled with that because I feel like I put a lot of my identity in the success of Zoom Shift. Like I wanted it, um, I wanted it to kind of be this thing that was was my identity in a way. Like if it was successful, then like that I felt more successful. And so I honestly I think that's just part of my personality is just to latch onto something and then invest really deeply into it and then always just be thinking about what's the next three, four, five steps down the road. So it was really hard for me to enjoy um, the moments when we did hit like certain milestones, whether that was in MRR or in product, or um, it's just, I started to become a little bit more numb to that as things went on, like things were just almost less exciting, right? So you think about like your Mm -hmm. startup in stages, like you get your MVP off the ground. Ben, I think you're kind of there, right? Like, so you have an MVP, you got some customers, you're getting some traction and, and that's really exciting. And then you, you kind of maybe hit a little bit of a plateau um, and then you get some more customers and you get money and you, you kind of get to the place where maybe you can start paying yourself full-time salary. That's almost like the when you're starting out, that's kind of at least for me where we wanted to be was like paying our salaries at least. And then so yeah. And then on top of that, then it's like, okay, well, how do you increase that or build a team and then kind of go to the next level? And so it's really just this constant leveling up. Um, no matter where you're at. And I felt like at times, like we'd be pushing so hard with this assumption that once you get to this next spot, man, it's just gonna be great. Just can you imagine when we're at (laughs) whatever, you know, like 10K MRR, 20K, whatever it is, right? Like whatever your target is, you're like, man, if I can just get there, then (laughs) then I'll be happy, you know? And, uh, maybe it's called like the arrival fallacy or something like that. But it's like, it's just this idea that no matter where you are, like the, it's always about the next level. And so for me, I had a hard time with that. Like, I think emotionally, that was probably the hardest part about it was never really feeling like you were ever done. Like you were never. And the growth, the growth goals that you had were so arbitrary, right? So it was just like, you would just be like, Oh yeah, let's just try to get to a hundred K right. Like whatever it was. Um, it didn't really seem to be like, it was almost like a game instead of an actual, mm-hmm. like uh, just an appreciation and a gratitude for where you were in the moment, if that makes sense. And so I, I that yeah, was a, yeah. a, maybe just a super personal thing for me. Uh, but I, I feel like some other founders have struggled with that too.
0: No, I mean, I, I think I've definitely, I, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have that. I, I know I've definitely, with that how about you ben i'm curious have you felt that at all with what you're doing
2: um yeah I, even in my regular career actually um you know you want to get that raise you want to you want to level up you want to learn more you want to become the cto um it's always like having a carrot dangling in front of you and you want to get it right um so i know the feeling but i also know that folks like paul jarvis um with his company of one you know, they try to or what they're trying to get at is that there is a certain point of having enough. And I think that's I mean, that's definitely personality um, coming into play there. Um, but I think if you can find that point where you think that's enough right now, um, I mean, everything ab- above that is obviously great, um, but it, it can basically give you this um, I, I don't know, this this feeling of freedom and enough then. Um, if you can actually find that and and be like, hey, this is this is kind of cool. This is enough, and whatever I get from here on, more um, is just a bonus on top of that. But yeah, I, I can definitely see how that's hard to <laughs> hard to get, like your your personal enough. Um, yeah, I can I can imagine that.
1: Yeah, well, and to your point, so like the the whole idea behind this, I think for me was the the fact that I ran out of intrinsic motivation along the way at some point. So. Oh, yeah. You know, just being motivated by the the external milestones and, and the things that just numbers, right? Like there's just yeah. numbers. <laughs> like I wasn't really motivated intrinsically anymore by um, by what we were all about. And I think, um, I think part of that was just you call it like founder product fit, founder market fit. you know, I think that was just off for me. Um, when Mm, I, when I look back, like, you know, so we, we serve people who schedule hourly employees. So primarily restaurants, small business, um, retail hospitality, all great industries, um, great people to work with, great people to serve. But for me, I personally had no, uh, experience scheduling or time track, like keeping track of, of time for employees. Like I never had that experience, never had that pain myself. And I think that made it really difficult for me to grasp like the 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 empathy, to have the empathy needed and required to really go deep on it and really care a lot about the problem and about the customer to, to a level that was like, I couldn't stay intrinsically motivated, if that makes, this, makes sense. Like I kept trying yeah, to yeah. be, I kept being like, oh, this is our new vision, our new mission. And then I'd be like, ah, oh, that just doesn't feel like genuine to me at all. Cause like, that's just like not, you know what I mean? Like that's just like not who I am. Um, and it always yeah, just yeah. kind of like fell back on like, mm-hmm. oh, the, yeah, we're just going to do this for marketing or something like that. But it just, it wasn't true to like who I was at all. And I think, you know, there's quotes out there about finding like product, uh, market fit at least as being like a pretty important thing because, or uh, founder market fit at least because then you could at least care about the market enough to really invest and like stay in it for the long haul as like your customer's needs change. And as... Um, as things in the industry change. So I don't think I ever had that and that's something that I'm definitely looking at for my next endeavor is finding that like founder market, founder product fit um, as being a pretty core requirement in my mind. So. Yeah, that
2: makes a lot of sense. However, you, you did stick to it for nine years, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was but, enough motivation, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, and part of that was just survival mode. Honestly, it was like, <laughs> what else are we going to do? So we were running, <laughs> like, i be honest, we were uh, we were kind of teeter-tottering between an agency and um, Zoom shift until we were able to pay ourselves full time, but we didn't have anything else. You know, we didn't have like cushy jobs or anything like that. So, oh yeah, yeah, we were in a position we were like, we got to make this work, and this became like our single source of income over time, and then our single source of like uh, investment, right? Because we don't have like a four hundred one k or you know anything like yeah yeah anything like that. And so we had all of our eggs in this one basket. So a lot of it was, well, we just gotta make this work. I yeah, mean, you
2: got to make it work. <laughs> got
1: I mean, this is our thing now. So uh yeah there was a there was that component of it too
0: yeah so nine years ago like how was the landscape different like was there obviously there was startups there was businesses people starting did it seem like there was a lot more open opportunities or or kind of problems that needed fix that you could go out and grab compared to now like how did that feel different to kind of how how it looks now when you're trying to start something new yeah i think
1: back then i mean geez yeah, nearly a decade ago, it felt a lot more wide open. Um, I think now when I look at the landscape, it's intimidating. I mean, I see so many products being launched every day on Product Hunt. I mean, and and, and everywhere you hear about it. And so I think that, um, yeah, you can look at the bright side of it and be like, yeah, there's opportunities everywhere. You can t- you can do a, like a, a niche business. You can do like go head to head with a, a, a stale industry business, you know, kind of like um you've been talking about with the whole, uh, you know, the main course versus the the appetizer and this and that. But I do think back then it was a lot different because um, it just wasn't as established. Like it was still very green. And I feel like now we're starting to get to the place where SaaS is, is not as much, it's more developed. It's we're, we're further along in that journey. I don't think it's maxed out by any means, but I think that it's a lot more mature than it was 10 years ago, that's for sure. Um, and a lot has changed. Technology has changed since then the users, uh, expectations of what a good product has changed since then, um, a user's expectations of what customer su- support could kind of, you know, look like are, has changed since then. So, and the market needs have changed since then drastically with the rise of tools comes tools for tools. And so it's like, you know, in some ways there's more opportunities. And you know, if you look at markets like that that have come out of this boom in new SaaS businesses, but in other ways, when you look at kind of the the bigger, you know, main core problems that everybody is is trying to solve, whether that be in accounting or scheduling or, you know, some of those boring uh, industries, I think there's some major players that um, have their have their you know teeth sunk in pretty far into the market. So. I think it's a lot more like, as I'm looking to start another one now, I think it's a lot harder to find something that aligns um, kind of in all those ways when you look at like founder market, founder product um, fit. So I think that it's, it just, it feels a lot more difficult at least this time around as I'm looking at it. Um, But in the, in the case of ZoomShift that was started because my business partner wanted to exercise um, kind of his, his development um, abilities and learn the pro- problems around scheduling and time tracking and all that kind of stuff, and those problems, by their very nature, are very difficult to to work on. And so he was able to to learn and grow as a developer through that process, using it kind of as a portfolio piece. So it wasn't ever really just about the market opportunity. It was also just about like, man, this is this could be an interesting problem to solve. Um, there were already other players in the, at the time. Like hot schedules was around back then, and uh, uh, shift planning was also around back then. So there were still competitors, but it was just totally different, totally green, you know.
2: That's that's an interesting point because I'm kind of at the point where I'm looking left and right and what's what's out there already, um, and I'm kind of struggling to find my USP basically. <laughs> um, how did I, I mean? I don't know the I don't know the the niche you were in basically um but how did you find that maybe how did you try to separate yourself from the rest
1: <laughs> yeah we really struggled with that so um I- i'll i'll be honest in telling you that we never really figured out how to niche <laughs> with zoom shift we tried to we tried to be a broad tool um kind of on purpose because uh, we wanted to capture as much of the the market as we could in terms yeah, of yeah. breadth over over depth. In hindsight, I think if we would have pivoted to focus on restaurants earlier on, I think we would have done pretty well. Um, I mean, I'm just, this is a hunch, I don't really know, but yeah, yeah. I feel like if we would have really um, just said, we're going to focus on restaurants, I think we could have had a, a better shot at things in terms of growth. But at the same time, the product was, Used by so many different companies and so many different industries that it it really didn't make sense for us to do that. Like for <laughs> us as a business, it was it wasn't something that we were we thought would be a really good move at the time. And so I look back at that decision and we really wrestled with it um, a lot of times. And um, I don't I don't really know if niching would have made a difference. Um, to your point about like niching now, like it's an interesting thing. But you also have to have like some way of positioning against a tool that already exists. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a position yeah. in somebody's head of like, okay, this is where, you know, Slack exists and this is where discourse exists. Now this is where, you know, play group or what, you know, like you're trying to figure yeah, out yeah. where that is, the play community. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I really struggle with that because... A part of me always wants to just niche down, like just niche as small as you possibly can to get the goals that you, you know, to achieve the goals that you are trying to reach. But then you see other companies who just go super broad and it um, and it works out really well for them. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, you don't have to. <laughs> I mean it seems like your your timing for all of this was pretty perfect cuz you would have started Zoom shift you know not too long after the economy kind of crashed And then it's kind of just been growing, growing, getting better ever since then until now, basically. And then you sold it right before then. So, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing that was just kind of random that that happened. But, I mean, good job on the timing.
1: Yeah, I definitely planned most of it, um, except not all of it. Yeah, no, I didn't plan any of that, obviously. We were very fortunate. Yeah, so we uh, we were. I don't know, I look at that too, and we were riding a very small sliver of that wave. Marketing and growth were always hard for us and so I look at our competitors at this in that space and they captured so much more of that wave as uh, as it kind of grew. But yeah, it definitely it definitely did take off and then now it kind of hit a, a little bit of a plateau and I think we'll still see it come back. I don't I don't think it's going anywhere. So,
0: so yeah, with the SaaS, like, you know, people always talk about, you know, SaaS being very slow, you know, to get going, to get growth. Is that kind of what you saw with zoom shift? Like was there points where you just grow a ton all of a sudden, or is it pretty steady the whole way through? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, no, ours was pretty slow and steady. Um, it was a trickle, definitely not a, a roar by any means. I think that, the the times where we saw the most growth was when we were experimenting with pricing, and so those were interesting inflection points to look back on because it wasn't necessarily what you were what we were thinking was going to to make all the impact. But um, when we adjusted our pricing and you know just tiered things a little bit differently, those really had the most impact on the on the overall growth of the business. But the amount of leads and all those kinds of things, um, they would fluctuate a little bit seasonality. Uh, we had a seasonal business, uh, so people would ramp up in the summers, and so we'd see some more customers coming in in the summer. Um, but then they would pause their subscriptions in the winter. So it was kind of like a, a net you know, zero gain. Yeah, it was very much a slow and steady process for us. We never hit that that hockey stick like you see some companies uh, whether they're bootstrapped or not, um, hit for sure.
2: Uh, I was just thinking that now going forward, because you already bootstrapped the first one, would you actually consider taking outside money?
1: No, oh, that's an interesting question. Um, not right now, um, unless it was one of the the more bootstrapped focused ones. I think you know it's interesting what Tiny Seed is offering, yeah, and yeah. and Earnest Capital and some of those other ones. But I don't think that would be my first go just because, um, for me, building a business and a SaaS is primarily, uh, about the freedom that it gives. Like, even though like, I, I kind of going back on a little bit on what I was saying before, where it was like, almost like a, uh, not freedom in, in your mind, but freedom in, in the sense that you can kind of, you can step away and this thing continues to do work uh, while you sleep. And, um, so that aspect of it. And I think I would struggle to just keep everybody happy, keep investors happy. Um, mm, yeah, you know, just the, the the pressure there that I feel like comes with taking uh, funding. I've talked to, I talked to a couple people in that space. And the, the pressure there is not something that I would want to have personally, like, I don't, I wouldn't want that, that would, that would seem like some the, extra stress. Yeah, it would sour it for me, I think a little bit. And for other people, I think they would handle that better. Uh, for me, I, I just know that I would struggle to, you know, just I already feel that pressure to, like, get to that next thing and to have, like, an added pressure on top of that that made me feel like I can't back out now, like, there's no, like, I can't do it now. I think that would be really difficult for me uh, personally. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting question because I've looked at, you know, Tiny Seed, I've looked at um, Ernest, and I'm like, you know, what kind of products are they investing in? Maybe I could look at building something that would be interesting for them to, um, to pick up. Oh, that's smart. (laughs) But, but honestly, like I really, that again, that's just kind of opportunistic thinking. And I (laughs) I, I feel like that got me in a bad spot mentally last time where I was just like thinking Mm, just mm -hmm. opportunity, not like, like looking personally at being like, okay, what's something that you're, you're going to be interested in investing in for at least a few years. Yeah. And that's not going to feel like you're just chasing after a carrot. You're just chasing after that, (laughs) the money, right? Like, and I think, so for me, I think there's really has to be that element, at least this go around of it solves something for myself. And I actually feel like connected to the problem and the customer a little bit more on a genuine level. Yeah. To put it in perspective, back in the day when we were doing stuff for, uh, you know, scheduling for coffee shops and this and that, I was like, maybe I should just try to manage a coffee shop for a while, you know, like just so I can understand their pain, understand the problem. And I, I look back at that and it probably would have been like, not a bad idea, but, um, I want to, I want to know that pain and that problem and know the customer well enough the second time around. So I'm curious what you guys are doing now. So you guys are kind of in this process where you're in the thick of it. You're actually farther ahead than I am because I haven't really figured out what i want to build yet. Mm-hmm. How have you guys been handling, um, you know, the process of of determining what you're going to sink your teeth into for the next few years? Because SaaS isn't like an overnight thing. Like, how are you guys making those decisions and how are you guys thinking about it?
0: I mean, I I think it's a struggle for me, too. I mean, this is what I think about all the time. And what I find that's such a struggle is balancing between seeing opportunities that are like, oh, I think this is a good opportunity that could work and something that is, this is what I want to do kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I really, when I started out with uh, User Engine, that it was more. So this is what I want to do. It's not as much of, I see an opportunity here. And that's why I think when I kind of explored more into it, did more discovery, talked to a lot of people, I kind of more and more found out like, okay, this is something I think is interesting and it's an interesting problem, but it's like, it seems like it's really hard to make a business out of it. And so it just didn't seem like the opportunity was there. And so that's why I then kind of pivoted to support man. Um, And it's kind of like, I think there's definitely more opportunity here, but I think I have had to sacrifice a little bit of, you know, is this really something I care about? Like I've done, I mean, you know, so it's going to be built for support teams and, um, you know, I've had to do some support for my old stuff in the past, but it's like, I haven't actually, you know, worked on A support team with you know multiple team members and stuff like that where that's kind of more so the problem that I'm solving for and I think it's an interesting problem and I think just from talking to the people I think that I'm gonna enjoy working with those kind of customers and so that's what kind of made me feel like okay I think I can do this like I think this is interesting enough and something I'm I I would enjoy solving and helping that I think I should go forward with it but I do still kind of think about that sometimes, you know, thinking, is this really like the problem that I want to spend all my time on? Or, you know, is this it's isn't it, it's not necessarily a problem that I've felt myself. And I have thought almost similar to what you're saying, like, go manage a coffee shop or something. I'm I think I'm. You know, if I have the time at some point, I think it would be kind of fun, like just go be like a support rep for some SaaS company <laughs> for a couple of months, just to like learn more about the space and learn more what it's like. Um, I think that would be really interesting and it would just kind of be fun to make some connections with some, you know, other SaaS uh, businesses that way. Um, but yeah, obviously I don't have it figured out either. So just kind of go figure it out and learn more about the space and, what i even want as i go basically
2: yeah you should have you should have worked at a coffee shop as well noah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i should have
2: (laughs) um so for me i have to say i'm i'm pretty happy with um the fact that i've landed on communities right now um mainly because it wasn't the head in the back of my head when i when i started playgroup um even for remote teams i knew that i could um as well target teachers or um communities with it and right now i'm I'm kind of trying to listen left and right and I've been on so many calls in the last week it's um it's almost tiring <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, yeah i'm i'm kind of i kind of thinking like you could also niche down this thing right now and like focus on gaming communities um but i'm kind of in the same situation where I'm like I want to cast my net as far and wide as possible right now and see, you know, no, no need to niche down right now. I think just see what sticks and uh, try to get everybody on board. But in general, I'm very happy to be, to have landed on communities because I'm part of a lot of communities it's, um, with the social media that's going on these days. Um, basically Twitter is like a huge community, um, and I just enjoy being in communities. I enjoy learning more about communities and how you actually foster them right now. I'm also in some private Slack groups and learning a ton there. Um, so yeah, I I can definitely see me doing that for a couple of years from now.
1: (laughs) That's see, I think that's great. And I've, I've been trying to figure out like a good model for, you know, kind of picking those ideas and thinking through it. And so I think that you have just listening to you talk about it. I think that's really cool that you actually have, an interest in the problem or interest in the the people and kind of what makes up the problem and all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, for me, it's, yeah, when I'm looking at ideas, it's, I'm trying to think about, you know, who am I serving? And then why am I, why am I wanting to, you know, do this? What problem am I really trying to solve here? And then, and then I go to the how and the what, but when I was first, like, you know we first sold zoom shift my first few weeks i was just like well what am i going to build next what 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 and it was always like what and i was reading all these you know blogs and, and articles and listening to podcasts about where people were at i was listening to your guys' podcast <laughs> um and um it's funny because you're just sitting around trying to like look for opportunities you're almost like that's, that's almost the only thing I was thinking about at first was just opportunity. Where's money, right? Like, where can I make a successful SaaS? Like, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. And then as I kind of, you know, relaxed a little bit over the next month or two and, <laughs> and the coronavirus came out and stuff, I really st- took a step back and thought like, now, nah, like, you know, who am I trying to serve? Why am I trying to serve them? Like kind of reversing it from what to like, starting with who, why, how and then what so that's kind of been the way i've been approaching it now yeah and um and to to be clear like this is just kind of who i am as a person like i think some people are really good at just being operators and being like i don't care what the business is i don't care if we're making toilet parts or like building (laughs) like whatever i don't i don't care like there's an opportunity here and i'm gonna take advantage of it and they can just run with that for me i have to have kind of a personal, like I have to feel personally connected to it a little bit, because I have yeah, to yeah. wake up and just feel like kind of excited intrinsically, except, you know, that's not just about like the opportunity. And so I, I'm, I've realized that about myself over going through Zoom shift. I've realized that this next one, it, it has to have that personal thing. Otherwise, I think I'll, I'll just run out of steam, I'll burn out pretty quick. <laughs>
2: That makes that makes so much sense so so much sense for me because I'm I'm basically the same. I kind of want to have fun along the way. <laughs> yeah, same.
1: Yeah, and for some people, like to 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 be clear, some people are like, it's just fun to make a lot of money, and like so, like let's just you know whatever it is to make a lot of money, let's just do that. And, and so I think like yeah, you can kind of trick yourself either way uh, into thinking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can kind of play oh, yeah. these games in your head either way of like thinking you're more into it than you are or or whatever. But I think for me, I know like I have to make, I have to make it a little bit more than just about the opportunity. Um, otherwise I'll, I'll run out of motivation.
0: Yeah. Ben, you are talking about communities and stuff, it makes me think, it seems like the, like the bootstraps community, indie hackers community is like, it's, it's kind of like really a thing now, at least maybe, maybe I just feel this because I'm in that community where I feel like it's getting pushed more, that there's more and more people wanting to do this kind of stuff. Um, so, John, I'm curious, like, what was it looking like, the, the, you know, this community looking like nine years ago when you started?
1: Yeah, was smaller for sure. And yeah, it feels like it's it's funny when I'm on the Indie Hacker community or it feels like there's just a ton more people. In it, and there probably are. But I mean, it just feels like a lot more um, crowded and it's just more difficult to stand out. So we went to some of the earlier microcomps and I remember sitting down with, you know, Rob and Heaton Shaw and some of these people who are pretty ingrained in that community. Um, but they, they've been around since, you know, for 10 years and, they, and, and they've been able to build multiple businesses during that time period. And on the indie hacker community, it's interesting because you have some success stories, some really big success stories, and then a lot of people like just trying to find their their ideas, like just you know like so I feel there's kind of this weird gap of um, really successful stories that you hear on the podcast, and then these people who are just like I don't you know like how can we just like hack this thing together, um, just struggling to come up with an idea. And I've been you know all over the map with like at different stages, um, but when I look at the indie hacker community today. It seems like a lot of it is people who are are just trying to make their first dollar, just trying to, you know, just trying to get going. And um, there's a lot of them. Like, and I, I think that's awesome. Like, I think it's, it's pretty neat that we actually have a community of people that are moving in that direction because there are aspects of running a Bootstrap SaaS that are just unbelievable. Yeah, it also makes it difficult to stand out. So it's kind of funny. Like I'll I'll go on Indie Hackers or Product Hunt or this or that, and like it just feels like ah, there's so much. Like what shit, what am I doing here? You know, like like you know, like <laughs> am I going to try to break into this space too and just be another voice of like bootstrap SaaS guy? You know, it's like ah, like it it does feel a little exhausting yeah. sometimes if I'm honest. Like, um, and I think that's just because of scrolling through so many different products and being like. I don't, I mean, I don't know what I want to do, man. You know, like looking at all that stuff. <laughs> I don't remember what the question is. I just look at the, where I'm at today. It's hard for me to comment on, you know, how it was 10 years ago cause it's been so long, but I feel like where it has, where it is today, it's like, <laughs> right. it's a little overwhelming. Like I look at it and I'm kind of like, man, there is just so much happening. Um, and I just want to try to keep up maybe, but maybe I don't. Maybe I just want to like go be a carpenter or something. You know, like, I'm just like, (laughs) it's insane. Like how quickly things change, you know? And you're like, this is, this is hard to keep up with it all. You know,
0: do you feel like it's good though? Like, do you feel like there's more help? Like more, yeah. It's like, is that actually like, is that just more noise or is there actually like more good advice and more things where people can start? Easier today, because of those reasons,
1: yeah, you start easier today. I think it's harder to get traction just as just as much as it was in the past, if not more. so I think getting mm-hmm. getting started, I think for sure there's amazing resources there's tons of 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 people that can help get you get you started, and that's huge. but I think for me um that's not really where I need the help. it's more like growing and like getting to that next level right like and so those i feel like are a little bit harder to find i think the best part about the communities in my opinion is just the the connections that you're able to make with people like yourself um with you guys and like just those types of things are pretty awesome um so it being a community a tight-knit community for that reason is great because who knows, like those relationships, you know, might start new products someday. And I think that's what's really cool about it, less just like the advice and like the, um, you know, do this, do that kind of stuff. I, I, (laughs) for me personally, I think I learn a lot more from like the stories that people share. Um, I glean more insight from those types of things uh, Mm -hmm. than just like, you know, you should do ABC to like, get started or to find your next idea or to like whatever, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Also because you already said that it's quite a saturated community, so to say. Um, There's also as much advice out there and it's almost to the point where you don't even know. Like you will find opinion A and then you will find two other people having opinion B and C that contradict each other. So I I have the feeling right now that it might be even better to just, you know, like listen broadly. I, I like to do that and then kind of still form your own opinion about it and just try yeah it's, just it's, try um, I yeah. think that's
1: like the yeah. biggest thing you, you know I saw somebody I think tweet out today I, it's it's hard for me to remember when all these tweets are happening because I feel like I'm on Twitter way too much but um, somebody was like yeah just start a business and you'll find a SaaS idea I think it was Adam Watham that was talking oh, about oh yeah, yeah it today. was yeah. I saw so that. he he was tweeting about this and uh, and then it, like it made me think about like some of the other advice that, you know, Justin Jackson, who I follow uh, a lot, you know, we'll talk about, which is like, no, don't like be patient, like wait for the right <laughs> idea. And um, so it's funny because you can find good people on both sides of of any discussion, like giving their their two cents, mm-hmm. um, whether it's on like if you should even bootstrap at all or take funding or down to how to find and validate an idea. like So it's kind of, and you'll find people disagreeing with what they uh, believed even a few months before, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of, you just take it with a grain of salt. And I think what's hard about it is I'll read a tweet, I'll read an article by any of these people who are really, really smart and um, really well thought and read on these things and i'll be like yeah yeah totally That, yeah i should do that and then i'll read somebody else and i'll be like wait no yeah yeah i gotta do that instead you know so it's like i feel like it's a little bit of of like whiplash sometimes because i'll I'll read something and maybe i'm just too impressionable but i'll be like yeah that really resonates you know like what justin jackson says there man i gotta do i gotta do that you know? And then I'll listen to somebody else and be like, nah, like maybe I shouldn't. So yeah, everything has to be contextualized to each person. And that's what makes advice so difficult, you know?
0: Yeah. So what, what actually are you doing then now that you're, you know, you're looking to start a new venture? Um, it sounds like you're mostly just like thinking of the different options. Like what's, what's your kind of approach? Where have you kind of looked already?
1: Yeah. So, um, I've gone through kind of like a weird journey there. I was going to try to write, um, a handbook about this. And then I kind of, uh, reversed out of that because uh, about, you know, finding an idea because I was going through that process, but there was just too much conflicting. Um, not even conflicting. There was just too much stuff on it, honestly, to really distill down. And I kind of felt a little overwhelmed by it all. And, um, so lately i've been you know consulting uh, as a as a developer for a couple of companies and uh, just keeping my eyes open and trying to have uh, more conversations with other people and so those have been the kind of the the main things i've been trying to do is just keep having conversations keep um, trying to find uh, looking at opportunities and just like letting them sit for a bit so for for example Like for a while, I was looking at Stripe as um, uh, to build a business around something in Stripe because I like Stripe and we always struggled with building things. And I kind of backed away from that one, um, just realizing I didn't really want to invest totally in a product that was going to be 100% reliant on another technology. Um, And and I I think you can totally go to that route. And there's amazing companies that are, are doing that. But for me, I just didn't, I didn't. That wasn't something I really wanted to do. I wanted to have a little bit more control over like the platform as a whole. So yeah, I started looking at ideas for around Stripe and platforms. I, I Honestly, I went through a lot of what you've been talking about, which is do you do an appetizer? Do you do the main dish? I've been thinking a lot about those types of things. Yeah. And I think it's really hard because you look at this and it's, it's easy for some people to like talk about those things at the high level when they've done it. Like, I mean, Justin Jackson's found a great, you know, main main course or whatever, you know, or um, I'm trying to think you, you, like uh, Nathan Barry or whoever, right? Like some of these people have found amazing companies, um, but it's so rare. Like it's really, really difficult and it's really rare to, to do that. Um, and it's really difficult and really rare to find a niche that just works really well, you know, so you'll hear... Mm-hmm people that are, uh, you know, making 10, 20 grand a month doing like a niche product off of a platform, you know, off of Shopify, off of um, intercom, off of whatever. And um, but I think that's still really difficult. Like, I don't think that, you know, chasing an appetizer is necessarily easier. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's just you might have a little bit of added distribution there. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's gonna be hard either way, is what I'm realizing. And so if it's gonna be hard either <laughs> way, like I might as well pick something that like I kind of like. I like the technology I'm building, and so to me there there are qualifications around like this can't be something that you know is going to require me to build like a really awesome mobile app because I just don't like building mobile apps like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I just don't want to have to do that, you know? So I'm almost putting in like requirements of like anti-requirements, like, okay, it can't yeah. be something that's going to be like require a multi-sided platform where I have to get, you know, people using it on this side and other people on the other side, and, you know, making this whole yeah. thing work together, like, a, you know, getting the demand right. Um, so I'm trying to think about like narrowing it down from that perspective. Um, and that's still kind of hard. So I don't know, man.
0: And that that's the other problem. It sounds like you have these techniques to narrow it down, which I think is good, but then I find it's it's really hard to find anything then because there's like so many negatives <laughs> to like any yeah. any business you could start because basically like you're saying, they're all going to be hard. It's all there's always going to be walls and roadblocks to get over, so it's like, oh man, how do you choose something at that point? Um, and that's where I feel like coming back to
1: the who is almost the like a pretty crucial piece. Like, so scratching your own itch or finding somebody who mm-hmm. you have a lot of compassion for and empathy for. Like, that to me is almost the, the most important thing when you're narrowing because... Um, then you can kind of be in it for the long haul. You can take like the the kind of crappy parts of the business, whether it is even having to build a mobile app, right? Like, <laughs> so you can start with like some of your technical requirements or some of your market requirements and kind of going backwards or distribution requirements. Like it has to have, you know, distribution, SEO could be a distribution channel and it that has to be, you know, in place or whatever it is, whatever your requirements are. But I feel like knowing who you're going to serve um, is probably almost more important than all of those because then the other problems that you're going to face, at least you have something that, like, you feel like is worth fighting for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you have to yeah, go yeah. through the hassle of doing all these things and, like, go through the problems that you're going to face, Like at least you really care about the who um, be, like that you're serving. Um, I don't know.
2: Makes sense, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that I actually, like, the approach of you know, narrowing down by basically writing down your anti-requirements, like what you don't want to do. I think that's actually a good way to approach it. Maybe even better than trying to find, you know, just trying to look for what you want to do. I just want to, I don't know. I just like the idea. I haven't thought about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kind of the last, maybe the last kind of discussion we can go into how have you have you thought about this any differently because of everything happening in the world with covid or has that made you see some new opportunities or like are are you thinking about things differently because of that
1: yeah i mean i'm not going to try to start a scheduling software today Uh, (laughs) that's not going to be the first thing i start um a little bit i to yeah i think that i'm looking at it from less about even covid but just uh, my experience with zoom shift and so again it gets back to what am i willing to uh sink my teeth into for the next few years knowing that sas is a few year endeavor like knowing that it's not Mm -hmm. you're not just gonna make it overnight um so that's kind of my my mindset is is this thing going to be around for the next five years you know that's kind of my my timeline in my head So it's shaping that a little bit, but not, not totally. I mean, I wasn't really ever planning on building another thing for retail or, or hospitality anyways, because I realized that wasn't, um, you know, who I was really drawn to, to serve, but yeah, I've been thinking more in terms of my looking back at my experience and trying to avoid some of the, the way that I was feeling during running that business. Um, the outcome I'm super thankful for, super grateful for, super happy with the outcome of that journey. But like I'm trying to figure out, is there a way I can do that again without some of the mental anguish that I had, you know, some of the, the emotional stuff. And maybe that's not possible, but I'm trying to set myself <laughs> up in a way that um, I have better things to fall back on to keep me motivated.
0: Well, I think at least, you know, kind of at least with your goals and, you know, what you're trying to do with this next business and not let it, you know, completely take over your whole life um, and be able to enjoy it. Like, I think, you know, bootstrapping a business, I think definitely makes sense in that area where, you know, you have control, um, you can kind of do it the way you want. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Then, you know, the hard part is just, can you control your, (laughs) your own, uh, wants and desires and not uh fall into it to where it you're like driven back in and i know that even just that personal part can be really hard like th- that's hard for me so yeah I, I think you're you're looking at it in some really good ways and it'll be cool to see where you go with it what you start doing next
1: yeah thanks no i'm excited to continue following your guys's journey and yeah it's fun i like i love these types of podcasts because i feel like um and and yours in particular is interesting because I love hearing when, uh, like the struggle of it, like I actually kind (laughs) of, I kind of, I think, like I miss like the struggle of it, honestly. Like I think that's one of the pieces where even though it's hard, um, I miss that struggle a little bit of just having something that you're fighting for and you're working towards. So there's like that adventure part of it that, um, Uh, when I listen to your guys' podcast, I love, like, you're struggling to figure out your idea, you're struggling to get traction in this and that. And I think that, you know, I've struggled with all those types of things, or I'm currently kind of in that same boat. And that's what I like. I like to kind of listen to is like, how are people thinking about that? How are they, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like trying to solve those problems? And then maybe I can apply that. So I love that you guys are, you know, taking the time to do the journey stuff you know, I'm hoping to do something like that, uh, too, as I get a little bit further along.
0: Yeah. We're struggle busting here on product journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's fun. Um, well, where can people find you on the
1: internet? Um, Um, I'm John Hainstock everywhere. Um, so I'm not really active right now. I'll be honest. I've just been kind of a lurker. So. Uh, hoping to engage more with the community as I get a little bit further along. But, um, yeah, I'll be uh, at johnhainstock.com, and that's my personal site.
0: Awesome. Well, right. thanks for coming on with us. It was good to discuss, uh, yeah, just the different things you've been through and how you're thinking about your current journey. So appreciate it. And uh, other than that, we will see you listeners in another episode. Tell Great. Thanks for having week. me. All right. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.